You ready? Yes. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid, often funny, and always informative weekly blog, where you'll read, learn, and make comment about her life as a 21st century wife, mother, daughter, and entrepreneur. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Gray. My guest today has a different kind of success story, a story that is often overlooked, but nonetheless just as fulfilling and challenging as a career as any. Miss Vicki Calhoun is a professional wife, mother, and homemaker. Born in Great Britain with dual citizenship, she and her family supported and followed their Air Force father's career all over the world. By the age of 17, when she left home, she had gone to school in numerous cities and lived in four countries, Great Britain, France, Germany, and the United States, all in support of her father's military career. Later in her 20s, she would marry and support another military man in a different way. For a short time, she lived in Japan with her husband, a military doctor. They had three children before tragedy struck, and Vicki was widowed after just 15 years of marriage. Listening to my friend talk about what she calls the subculture of living on a military base is interesting and unknown to most people. You often hear the stories of men and women that sacrifice and serve, but what about their families? They serve too. Today we're going to peek behind the curtain of growing up military, hear about Vicki's first experiences with racism when she came to America, learn about the rules and responsibilities bestowed on families living on base, and ask how she rebuilt her life and grew her family after tragedy struck. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table my friend, my neighbor, and a professional homemaker, I'm proud to say, Miss Vicki Calhoun. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. So full disclosure, you and I are in a monthly girls supper club. Yes. And uh, we meet first Tuesday of every month. Right. So to replicate the evening that we have together (laughs) don't get scared i asked my son matt to pick up your favorite libation which i just happen to know is red wine bring in the wine son matthew oh that's my surprise that's your surprise thank you could have used that about an hour ago (laughs) thank you thank you this is the this is the first can we drink this is a first first. this is absolutely a first cheers cheers Cheers. here we go so um Let's start at the beginning, Vicki. Mm. Your father was in the Air Force, yes. stationed in Great Britain yes. during World War II, where he nope. met... No? After World War II. Oh. 1951 or two. 1951, mm-hmm. where he met your mother, and mm-hmm. she was a Brit. Yep. Do you know the story of how they met? Yes. Her friend, because they were young girls, um, her friend's father owned a tea shop and um, coffee, tea and coffee, and um, the... GIs would come in for coffee and so my mom's friend was dating one of the GIs and she said to my mom you really need to come here I mean you you need to come here we got someone for you so she wasn't working there her friend was not her her friend's father owned it ah and she so my mom she was probably 16 wow yeah they get out of school at 16 over there unless you go to college so she was already out of school working so she went to this little tea shop met my dad and kind of that's 
kind of how they met. How long did they date before they married? I think about a year and a half. And my grandmother, very British lady, said to my father, you're not taking her to America unless you marry her. How many brothers and sisters did your mother have? Just a sister, one sister. And so did she marry a GI? No. So no. your grandmother got to keep one daughter? One daughter. And actually, during World War II, my grandmother's husband, my great, my granddad was killed in World War II, and she took care of the German prisoners, and she dated the GIs that were over there in World War II. So your grandmother was a nurse during World War II? Yeah. And she, and she cared for the German prisoners that were wounded, mm-hmm. and she dated GIs? Yeah. But she went, she went and married one, because she didn't want to come to America. She wouldn't marry a GI. And she'd already had the both of you. I mean, the both of your she your, had, your, yeah. gra- your your grand your aunt and, and grandmother. Yeah, and during the Blitz, when they were pounding, what's, a, what's the blitz, a Blitz? Well, the Blitz. I forgot what year it starts. When Germany started pounding England, they really pounded London. It was called the Blitz, and so with, my mom with, with bombing, like bomb. They just bombed the heck out of London. I forgot what year. But what they would do is they would pass over. My mom lived on a little coastal town. And whatever bombs they didn't drop in London, they'd pop it off on her town on the way back to Germany. Because they were right there on a channel. And why would they do that? Uh, just getting rid of their organs. Just bomb more people. They were going back over to Germany, so they didn't want to bring any more bombs back with them. So the Germans were doing a bombing raids. Oh, it was terrible. On yes. London. Mm-hmm. And your mother lived outside of London. Mm-hmm. How old was she when this was on? She was four or five years old. And then, as a matter of fact, her father was killed. He was a carpenter, so they kept the carpenters and those folks so they could be, be re- rebuilding, that everything was getting blown up. So he didn't join the service? No, they wanted him to rebuild things. In the infrastructure. Right. In the infrastructure. And so he actually, a bomb landed as he was out trying to get these old people into a shelter. And it killed him. And my grandmother was 25 years old. And had probably four-year-olds. And she had a four-year-old, yeah, and a five-year-old. And then after that, they, my mom, and you've probably heard the stories about the children who were evacuated. No. Uh-uh. You haven't heard about that? Uh-uh. Okay. Oh, so anyway, they evacuated all these school children from these coastal areas because they were getting bombed as well. So they would send them to the interior part of England because they weren't the Germans had nothing over there because they were bombing the seaports. They were bombing London. So my mother and her sister, with all the little school children, went with their teachers, were put on a train with a little tag and taken out into the countryside um, in Somerset, which is pretty far inland, and taken to a church. And the people in the village would come and pick up the children that they wanted. And my mom and her sister were the last two. Because nobody wanted two girls. They wanted boys to work on a farm because it's like agriculture. Mm. So my mom and, and my and her sister were the last, you know, last. And they day. foster parented them. For a year. For a year. She never saw her mother. And she had just lost her father. Yeah. So that was terrible. What did, uh, what did your mother do during that time? Work as a nurse? No, my mom was a child. But my, no, I mean, I'm sorry, oh, your my, grandmother. My grandmother, she wasn't really a nurse. But her job, everybody in England had to have had to do something. Oh, mm. So she was called in a, what they call the land army. And so what they did, they took care of the prisoners. They p- 
planted trees, um, just to rebuild England. And mm-hmm. she did that, oh gosh, for about two or three years. What was your grandmother like after living through all of that? <gasps> was she bitter? No. Mm-mm. She was a very well-educated woman. She worked her entire life. She ever remarried? Yes, she did. About 14 years later, she married my grandfather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A Londoner. My my granddad was mm-hmm. London. And... Um, so she had to move around a lot because she had to live with relatives because she didn't have much money and she had these two little girls. And so my mom told me one story. They lived above a fish and chip shop. Her brother owned a fish and chip shop and she said that, you know, they got to eat all the fish and chips she's ever wanted. Mm-hmm. And um, and they were just moving. And finally they moved back to Ramscape where and, she was from. And your 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 mother not your grandmother, but your actual mother. What mm-hmm. did she say about those years that she and her sister, at least they didn't get separated. They got to go together. They got to go together. So what did she say about those years, and how did that affect her I later? I think she had PTSD. I think all her life she had PTSD. I think it really affected my mom. In what ways? She was very anxious in her entire life. Um, just very anxious, worried, worried, worried all the time. She leave um, the house? Oh yeah, she wasn't agoraphobic. No, um, I don't know. Exactly. But she's got Alzheimer's now. Let's just yes, go forward. She does. And yes. one of and one of the ways you know she has PTSD is her behavior at, at mm-hmm. the uh, yeah. memory center, right? Yeah, yeah. Tell our listeners what she does. Oh well, I was there today. They were celebrating Christmas, and now my mom's pretty far into her, her Alzheimer's travel. She's so uh, probably if you're going from a scale of one to ten, my mom's probably about an eight. But she's ambulatory. She can walk. She can feed herself. But she doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know who I am. She doesn't know anybody. Um, but she likes to eat everything, whether it's a decoration or... You know, She's going to eat the artificial grapes. Uh, yes. But doesn't she think there's a bomb going off? Doesn't she still... Isn't her PTSD come out because she thinks that there you need to be taking cover? I thought I heard you say that one That would be my grandmother. My grandmother was always frightened. Especially if the if my grandmother was visiting me here in mm-hmm. Arkansas, if the tornado sirens go off, it sounds just like an air raid. And my poor grandmother... Would just go berserk. She had PTSD. She did as well. I guess everybody has PTSD. I think, yeah. I mean, you go through something like that. Mm-hmm. We just never really gave it a name. I think in World War II they used to call it shell shocked. Yeah. So this is a great place to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with professional homemaker Miss Vicki Calhoun, and listen as she shares stories of growing up in a military family and the subcultures on a military base because her mother. Did get to marry this GI after she dated him a year and a half. Mm. And Vicky has got dual citizenship, and she grew up on the base. And one of the things I find interesting is the subculture. I've never heard it called the subculture of living on a military base. But we're going to peek behind the curtains and find out what that's back after the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed. Over this time, Carrie's business and leadership knowledge grew. As early as 2004, she began sharing her knowledge in her weekly blog. In 2009, she founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom, and in 2014, Brave Magazine, a biannual publication. 
Today, she has branched out into this very radio show, YouTube channel, and podcast. Each week, you'll hear candid conversations between her and her guests about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting, inspiring, and educational. Stay up to date by going to flagandbanner.com and joining our email list. You'll receive our popular Water Cooler Weekly email that notifies you of upcoming guests, happenings at Dreamland Ballroom, sales at flagandbanner.com, access to Brave magazine articles, and Carrie's current blog post. All that in one weekly email. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags. TheFlagandBanner.com. Back to you, Carrie. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with a once military brat, once military wife, and a widow, Miss Vicki Calhoun. Vicki is a survivor and a family supporter who has lived all over the world with dual citizenship from the USA and Great Britain. Before the break, we talked about her mother, really, and uh, her father and um, the uh, after World War II bombings and the PTSD that affected her parents and her grandparent, which I just think is interesting to hear about. Um, but now your, your grandmother let your mother marry your father mm-hmm. and... Uh, so you have dual citizenship mm-hmm. because I guess you were born in Great Britain. And my dad was not on active duty there. He was in America. And I was born to a British mother in a British hospital. And if my dad had been there on active duty, I wouldn't have dual citizenship. My mom just decided to take a vacation while she was pregnant with me and had me over there. What? <laughs> well, I'm almost pregnant. I think I'll just go over to Great Britain. Mm-hmm. You think maybe she was planning that? I don't think so. I mean, are you supposed to travel when you're almost mm-hmm. when you're due? Were you early? I mean, what was the deal? No, I was not early. She just missed her family and she went home and had the baby. And, and her dad me. is is stationed in America. Yeah, I think he was in Arizona. So your dad is in the Air Force. Uh, what what does he do? What what was his job? He was an air traffic controller. Okay, that's a stressful job. It very. Uh, so did she come back to America? Yes, and as a matter of fact, we came on the Queen Mary to America. My my sister, who is 11, 12 months older than me, we came back on the Queen Mary. She got dual citizenship? No, because she wasn't born in England. I bet she's upset about that. Well, maybe. <laughs> she's not here. Yeah, yeah, she's for the listener, she passed yeah. away a couple yes, years ago. Uh, um, so when did you decide to go to Great Britain? Or when did your dad get shipped, get transferred to? Or mm. where was your first station? Uh, I guess I should say, when it was your first Memory. Memory of being on base. Oh, South Dakota. South Dakota. South Dakota. Ellsworth Air Force Base, South Dakota. I probably was about four years old. I remember it because they would have these, they're probably having it right now, gigantic snowfalls and drifts. And we would get snowed in, and the drifts would be at the top of our roof, and we could slide down on our sleds from top of our roof. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That was South Dakota. I'd remember that too. Yeah. No wonder that's a memory. And yeah. how long did y'all live there? When was it when Kennedy was killed? 62? I think so. Oh, something like that. So I remember I was in. What year were you born? 55. Okay. So I think we left there, I can't tell you, in 64 to Germany. My dad got stationed in Germany in, 19, in 1964. It's really, I should have written this all down. I didn't. Sixty, yeah, it's, it's complex. 
It's so in six, and we've just now started getting into it. It's going to get more complex. Oh, no. We've got 40 minutes to get it all oh, out. Oh, my all God. Right. It, okay. It, it, so uh, you said. 64, we went to Germany. 64, you went to mm-hmm. Germany and um, lived, lived on the, air base. Well, actually, when you first get to a duty station, you don't get to move right on base. You have to wait your turn. You have to wait for someone to leave. So we lived on what they would call the economy. We lived in a village with German people. We rented a little apartment. Actually, we lived upstairs at someone's house. And uh, we lived there for a year in a little village. And they didn't speak English. We didn't speak German. But we, you know, played charades a lot. And we got along. And I played with all the little neighborhood kids. And, you know, it was just fun. It was magical, actually, because... Christmas time in Germany is like no other place. And I remember that, the winter and the Christmas time there. Why? It's just so German, Christmas. Uh-huh. I mean, the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. There were Christmas trees. The big square had the gigantic Christmas tree. And I think it was it was my first time to be in Germany, mm-hmm. to experience that culture. Christmas does seem German. Yeah, the, the famous tree. Christmas markets. That yeah. Are, yeah, with mm-hmm. the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so... You got to move on base. Yes, we did. And how long did you stay in Germany? Four years. Uh, t- what was that base like? Oh, it was pretty good. Um, they were fighter jets. So um, I'm not, they were all the fighter jets because every base has either fighters, technicals, SAC. There's all these different names. Cargo. Everything. So my, this base was strictly fighter jets. And this was, I guess, during the Cold War. Mm-hmm. And so when you live on an Air Force base, there is, this is how it goes. If you're an officer, you live over in this nice little neighborhood, you have a nice house. And if you're enlisted, you live over here. Not so nice. You know, that's, which, it which was segregated. We were enlisted. My dad was enlisted. So that was my first segregation that I saw. And that was like, whoever was enlisted, you're over there. Didn't matter what color you were, you're enlisted. Um, but I didn't notice it so much when I went to school with all the kids. I mean, we're all military kids. We're all coming and going. That's another thing. You're moving all the time. You know, you make a friend. Oh, they're leaving. Here comes another friend. So where'd you move to the second time? We moved to Massachusetts. So how old are you now? Oh, my God. I think I'm in sixth grade. Was that 12, 13? I was 13, I think. What a terrible age to move. Mm. Well, I didn't know anything different. But you went to a military base. Yep. So they're all again. It's the same thing. You know, and you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, this is all I knew. And this is what all of us children knew. We knew we just had a short period of time. Our friends were coming and going. So you make friends very quick. And you just, you know, you don't get upset. You don't, you have to say goodbye a lot. Is it clickish? No, I didn't find it clickish. No. You don't need to make problems for yourself because you move all the time and you're, you know, it's not like a bunch of kids getting together trying to create problems because there's not enough drama. When you're on a military base, there's drama all the time, probably. Well, uh, it's 24 hour security driving around all the time, which is, which was nice, but you can also get caught and get in trouble. And then if you get caught and get in trouble, you don't get in trouble. Your father gets in trouble. What happens to him? Well, if you, uh, his commanding officer will have a little chit-chat with him. And um, then 
<laughs> my dad would come home and have a little chit chat with us, or mostly me. <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't really until I was a teenager. That was not happening in Massachusetts. And, and actually, we were in Massachusetts for one year, and then my dad went to Vietnam. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? And then we moved to Michigan to be near my mother's parents who had immigrated. They were immigrants. They immigrated to Michigan. My granddad worked for Pfizer and got a job with General Motors. So your grandmother that didn't want her to marry a GI has he now moved to America. to America. And she hated every minute of it. Didn't want to, did not want to be in America. Didn't like it. And I get it. She, you know, it's easier to live in England. She didn't know how to drive a car. She took a bus everywhere. She lived in a little village. Now yeah. she's in Detroit. You better know how to drive a car in Detroit. <laughs> she lived outside Detroit. So if you can imagine coming from a very beautiful coastal little town in England and moving to Detroit, it was a shock. How long did she live there? Mm, I think about 18 years. And then they moved to Florida where my father retired and they retired in Florida. Well, that was a good ending. Uh, so, yeah. so you're you you've moved. Your family has moved up there to be next to your my, mother's mother, your grandmother, mm-hmm. and your father is Vietnam. in Vietnam, and you're scared to death. Well, uh, yeah, I never lived. I never went to a public school. I'd always been to school on a military base. We're all you know military. So I remember that my freshman in high school, and I'm living kind of in a project. Basically, that's where we were living. And um, I just remember getting to the school, and I would see all these white kids. And I thought, well, where is everybody else? And then, like, here comes a bus full of black kids. And I thought, well, why is this? <laughs> so a friend of mine who was not military, because this was not a military school, said, don't you know anything? I said, well, no, I guess I don't. And um, so she explained it to me that those folks live over there. And we live over here. I said, oh, that's weird. Yeah, that was my first. And you were wondering where everybody was because you were used to going Everywhere. To... I mean, I had Filipino friends. I had Japanese friends. I had black friends. I mean, you know. You're on base. I was on base. base. So, yeah, it was, it was a real eye-opener. That was your first taste of real segregation. Yes. And that was in what's Michigan? That was in Michigan. So how long did you stay there? Did your dad stay in Vietnam? One year, 18 months. And then he came back and got stationed where? South Car- Charleston, South Carolina. On to an Air Force base? Yes. But Mo- we had to live off base till someone moved. And so I did live off base for one year. And then we moved on to Air Force base. Now, I want to say something. Okay. So when you're growing up on in a, in a military family, and when you're moving... You, there's a weight limit on what you can take with you when you're when you're moving. So I don't know what I don't know exactly what our weight limit was, but I just remember I would have this little box, and all my stuff had to go in that box. And I didn't see that box until maybe three or four months when we got to our new duty station, and it was just like having Christmas every time I saw that box because everything I owned was in that box, all my toys, just everything. So character building. <laughs> the whole story that you have told seems like it's just really yeah character building. You know, uh, learning to make friends, well, yeah. learning to move, learning to not be so materialistic that you have to. You be, only had one box. You only get one. Box. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah. you're living in... We're now we're in Charleston, okay? Mm-hmm. My dad's back from Vietnam, and we're in Charleston, and I was 10th grade, went to a military school again. So I'm back in a military system school. I'm not in a public school. And then um, I graduated at 17, and my mom had some strict rules. She, she said, well, if you don't like it, leave. So I did. <laughs> so I, I worked and had like five roommates and um, went to school at night. You know, the subculture that you talk about on yeah. military base, uh, breaking the rules and the consequences mm-hmm. affected your father. So there's a lot of guilt in that, I imagine, making you stay pretty oh, yeah. on the straight and narrow. But what about taps? Oh, okay. So every morning when they would raise the flag, I forget what they would call it, but if you were driving a car or if you were walking and if you were in uniform, you had to stop. And what you if you're to, not in uniform? Well, you had to just stand there, put your hand over your heart, okay? Okay. And they would play, I don't think they played the national anthem in the morning, but every evening at 5 o'clock, they would play taps. I remember, you're driving on base. Boy, when any of that bugle goes, you stop that car. Everybody stops their car. Oh, you stop the car? You, oh, yes, you stop the car. And you sit in that car, but if you're in uniform, like I didn't wear a uniform, I was in active duty, you get out of the car and you salute or you put your hand over your heart if you're in uniform. And the whole world stops for about, what, two, three, four minutes while they lower the flag. And they play the national anthem. And another little gem is when we would go to the movies on base, you get there and you sit down. No, you sit down and then all of a sudden you got to stand up. It's like being in church. And they play the national anthem. Before every movie? For every movie. So I remember when I went to a movie off base, I'm standing up waiting to, for the national anthem. And my friend said, what you doing? I said, well, aren't they going to play the national anthem? She goes, no, we don't do that here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then if you do, you know, if you get in trouble on base, like I did get a speeding ticket one day. Oh, gosh, I got a speeding ticket. And so I had to tell my dad. Well, he'd already found out because he'd already gotten a call from his commander. And my dad said, okay, that's one. We can only have two more. So, and then if you have three, boom, you're off base. They'll kick you off the base. Your whole family would have to move. I think it's good to grow up on base. Yeah, I felt really good. You know, they had 24-hour transportation. You'd hop on a bus and... um yeah. Felt safe. I felt very safe. Because mm-hmm. they had... It sounds like you learned great coping skills, too. I guess. I think <laughs> so. All right. You've chosen to go back into the military life because you... Well, actually, I wanted to join the military. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, tell us about that. Okay. Well, my dad, I told... Well, when I graduated from high school, I was I was going to join the military. So my dad said, huh, no, you're not. Because <laughs> he goes, no, mm-mm. You're going to go to college. You're not going to join the military. Afterwards, if you want to go in the military, you can. That's it. Okay. So, but I, you know, I just worked and went to school at night. So it was going to take me a long time to get there. So in the meantime, I met my husband who was in the Navy. So this is a whole different branch of the military because you got the Air Force, you got the Navy, there's Marines and Army. And um, dated him for, I don't know one or two years and he got orders to japan he said you want to go i said yeah we weren't married yet 
And I said, yes. So he went to Japan and I followed. And But we couldn't, I couldn't stay but three months because of my visa. Oh. Uh, they're very strict over there. When you when you arrive in Japan, you better have a ticket paid out or you can't come in. And um, so I had my ticket out and then my visa was three months and then we had to go to Guam and I got married in Guam because it's a U.S. territory. So you went over there not married. Right. Mm-hmm. And stayed there three months on a visa. Mm-hmm. And then you flew over to Guam, mm-hmm. got married. Now could you stay yes. in Japan with yes. him? But we could never live on base because I was not command sponsored. They did not bring me over. Which is that true for everybody that's a wife? Um, Well, it was back then. Um, If you're not command sponsored, like. What's that mean, command sponsored? They they sent him over there. They didn't send me over there. I just went over there. So they weren't responsible. Well, your mother was not command sponsored and she lived on base when y'all were growing up. She arrived with my dad on the base. Oh, and you did not arrive. I was a tourist. I gotcha. You should have gotten married over here before you went over there, and then you could have gone over here. Vicki, but I had to think about it. You had to think about it. (laughs) So he was a military doctor. Yes. And what did you do while you were in Japan? I met this another military wife, and she says, "Hey, you want to be a model?" I go. I was twenty-one years old. I go. Sure. What, where? She goes, well, we'll go in Tokyo, and you're tall, because I was tall for, you know, taller than the Japanese people. So I went down into Tokyo and worked as a model for two years. It was great fun. Were your children born over there? No. We had no, we just had four years of fun. Four years of fun. And then you came back to the States. He got transferred? Yes. So Where'd we went, you come back? We went to Jacksonville, Florida, and he served a year there and was diagnosed with sarcoidosis, which... And he was trying to, he was getting out of the Navy to come back to Little Rock. He was a Little Rock boy. He was coming back here to go and practice. And as when you get out of the military, you have to have a medical, you know, checkup. And they found these spots on his lung and it was sarcoidosis. So it was just. And y'all hadn't had any children yet? I was pregnant with my first child, Christy, who will be, well, I'm not going to tell her age. She got mad at me. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then we moved to Little Rock, Arkansas. And you're pregnant, and you don't feel like that's a death sentence for him. No, actually, she was born in Jacksonville. But as I'm driving here, I'm pregnant, and I don't know it. Again? Uh, Again. Girl. With twins. You know what causes that, right? Oh. Oh. Twins. Twins. So, um, Jim started his practice. He was OBGYN doctor. He did pretty well. With his illness, he, they could treat it. And then probably mm, the last, we well, had it for 15 years. In the last two years, he was pretty ill, but he still went to work. He didn't complain. And then he did die from his disease. How old were your daughters and son? Uh, 10 and 9 years old. And I was 35. So how do you deal with that? What did you do to cope through that? I mean, you've got a, you've got these young children. Mm. How did you cope? Mm. It was just unbelievable. I had a wonderful support group of friends. I, had, I mean, I couldn't have had, asked for better friends to just rally around our family, my kids and, and myself. And they just lifted us up and carried us. You're not from Little Rock. No. But he died in Little Rock. Yes. 
where was your mother living? Because she's not from Little Rock. No, she was living in Florida. Did she come up? Yes, she did. Because she lives here now. Yes, she Is, she came, <laughs> she she came to some you know to give me some help prior to his death. No, actually she came. She flew in. Someone called her and said, "You need to get here. That you know, you need to get here. He's going to die." Because I wasn't really talking to him. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't there. Mentally. What do you mean? Oh, mentally. You know, I wasn't talking to people. I was just trying to get through the day. And so it was funny. My mom, like, shows up. I go, wow, how did you get here? <laughs> <laughs> she goes, so anyway, she was here for a year. So if he'd had it for 15 years, mm-hmm. when did it go from optimism to, oh, my gosh, he's going to die tomorrow? And or, or did it ever do that? Or did you just one day he was dead and you were just like, I, I knew it was coming, but I didn't think it'd be here? No, about a year before he died, he went to the Mayo Clinic because you know, he's a doctor and he's like, eh, you know, we got this and just plays it off. And he went to the Mayo Clinic. I don't know what I find out later. They told him that he didn't have a long life ahead of him. He never told me that. And then he um, had a hemorrhage in his lung and ended up in the hospital and had part of his lung removed and got sepsis and died. Was your father still living? No, he had already passed away. Did he pass away in the military? No, he was retired. And he died pretty young, too. He was 52. See, it's kind of like we got a widow chain going on in my family. My <laughs> grandmother was 25. My mom was 49. I was 35. So your children, mm-hmm. they coped? Yes. Well. Better than you? Or, or how do you think you did it? I mean, if you were going to give advice out there to people that are listening you say you know how did you do just it? let your friends help you just and yeah just let your friends help you and you know if you have someone like if I have someone who's passed away or their spouse has passed away you know I'm not scared you just go say hey I'm going to do this for you you know don't say what can I do for you or because they're not going to tell you what they can do you know you just need to go do it you don't know they're yeah. too deep of a fog. How yeah. long does that take before you turn the corner after something like that? Oh, gosh. I've never been through anything like that. I think it took me about a year, about a year to realize this is this is it. This is for real. Yeah. It took me about a year to realize this is my life. This is. Did me. you go back to work? I was working as a travel agent. Yes. Yep. But you were good as a travel agent. I had fun. Because you traveled everywhere. Yeah, I had a great time. And that career's kind of gone now the Internet's happened. It killed my job. The Internet. <laughs> it killed my job. No, I had, yeah, I went, I was working before my husband died. And then after he died, I kept working. Um, you're a big Catholic. Mm, yes. So do you think that had anything to do with, or were you one then? Oh, I was Catholic then, yes. Um, yeah, those people, that community just really carried us. I don't think I would have made it without them, truly. The friends and just my belief in God. Mm-hmm. All right. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with a once military brat, military wife, widow, survivor, and current homemaker, Missy, uh, Miss Vicki Calhoun, who... <laughs> is married to another guest of UIYB, Mr. Joe Calhoun, who's a lawyer in Little Rock, Arkansas. And we're going to talk about life after the military. 
She's got her uh, another great husband. She's rebuilt her life, has another child. That, mm. And um, yeah. so how did you meet Joe? Blind date. Blind date. I didn't mm-hmm. know those ever worked out. This is before the internet and all those. I mean, really, it was generically I met somebody. That's how my daughter puts it now. She'll say, oh, I met this guy generically. I said, what does that mean? Well, it wasn't on whatever those. Match.com. I don't know what those things are called. So um, I guess it's about a year and a half after my husband died. A friend set you up? Yeah, I just kind of got tired of being the third wheel. You know, I was just like everybody's. I was just there with being the third person. So So a friend of mine got out his Catholic high yearbook. Said, oh, there's about seven guys in here. Let's start going through it. <laughs> That's match.com. That's our original match.com. <laughs> so I said, okay, Let's so. Just start going through it. We just started going through it. <laughs> so we got, well, got to see. And there was, there was Joe. And um, this Catholic high picture, his senior picture. I said, well, I think I'd like to go out with him. But I looked at some of the other guys. And he was available. He was newly divorced. And. He didn't have any children because that was the criteria. They couldn't have children and they had to have hair because didn't want a dead bald-headed man. <laughs> Uh-oh, all you bald-headed <laughs> men out there. I think that can be sexy, but okay, that's a good one. So, um, yeah, it was a blind date. I'll never forget it. The kids, they were all looking out the window, okay? They were all, I'm looking out the window, too. I'd never seen them before either. So my friends are walking them up to the door, and I'm going, God, he is tall. He was like six two. My first husband was five seven, and I'm going oh. And then he, you know, had he was Joe. He had hair. He had hair. A lot of he had pretty hair, silver hair. You know what they say about a bald man? I don't know. He doesn't have any hair. Yeah. So anyway, Joe had <laughs> Joe had beautiful silver hair, uh-huh. and now he has beautiful white hair. So he was a blind date, and um, was it love at first sight? No. Oh, no. <laughs> no, Joe. I know he's listening. Sorry, Joe. But he knows. Because he called me. We had that day. It was very nice. And I think about a week later, it was a week later, he called me and said, hey, can you go to lunch? I go, well, sure. When? He goes, today. I go, mm, cleaning my lawn furniture. I was cleaning my lawn furniture. Yeah, you can't go to lunch in I those kind of clothes. I said, you're going to have to give me heads up. Like, I got to have at least a day or two advance notice. For real. Yeah. And um, so then we went on another date, and you know the rest of the story. No, I don't. Oh, yeah, you do? How long before you got married? Mm, It was a year and a half. That's a long time. And your kids liked him? Mm, At first. (laughs) 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 Until I decided to get married. That, oh, my God, they're listening to this show. And then what happened? Oh, they weren't real happy about it. They never are. They think they are, but they never are. It. I could have been marrying Jesus, and they wouldn't have liked it, mm-hmm. you know. So Joe was a saint to come into all that. Oh, gosh. You know, three kids, preteens. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then they came around. Yes. Were there any rules when y'all got married? Yes. What were they? I'm the boss. <laughs> Boy, that was quick. <laughs> Did you see that? No, I'm, I, I just said to Joe, look, you know. They knew their dad. Mm-hmm. I am going to be the disciplinarian, and you just got to have my back. That's so. exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. You just can't have a stranger come in and be the boss. No. They will just end up not liking them. Right, so I was the boss. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's good advice. If you don't take anything away from this show today, if you be the boss, be the boss. If you remarry a man, be mm-hmm. the boss of your kids. That's right. Um, if you were to do, is there anything you wish your father had done differently when you were a child? Did you ever think, why is he dragging me to all these countries? I wish Dad would do something differently. I never thought about it. I didn't know any different. No, so, I loved every minute of it. I was mm-hmm. sad when I went into civilian life. You know, I was sad when I graduated. From Why did you decide not to go in the military? You were going to graduate from college and go in the military. Mm. Oh, I met Jim, and that kind of took care of that. Mm-hmm. He didn't want you to join? I mean, he was in the military. He yeah. was in the Navy. Well, mm, no. He just, well, we could have been stationed in two different places. It, you know, he oh, could have gone there, and I'd be sent here. Oh. somewhere else that's it's difficult when you're both in the military mm-hmm. you got to support somebody else's career you have any regrets about that about having su- been a supporter all your life to either your dad's career your first husband's career your second husband's career you have any regrets about that no no not really you know i think oh wow i could have you know it was a choice i made mm-hmm. and you know we make our choices and you know and i'll think well you know people my daughter out in california she's on her career track and uh i admire her for that and and my other children have made their choices everybody makes their choices Mm -hmm. and i'm I'm glad i made the choices i made it was i had a good life i mean i hope it's not over (laughs) (laughs) well you've done a great job well thank you you're welcome. Uh, as I told everybody at the beginning of the show, you are my friend, my neighbor, and we share a supper club mm-hmm. once a month with a bunch of girls. Uh, I really enjoyed visiting with oh, you, Vicki, and uh, the first time we've ever drank on the radio. Oh, really? That's a nice surprise. This is a, yeah, this is a new thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, you might want to start this. Can I make a little plug? Sure. Okay. So the teachers I had growing up in the military, mm-hmm. they were all teachers who were went and it's called department of defense and they hire teachers and they get to go all over the world to teach us military kids and if there's a teacher out there who wants to travel the world and teach those children they need to talk to the department of defense dod get a job go overseas teach those kids i had some of the best teachers ever Wow, never yeah. thought about it. That's great. Thanks for that plug. Yeah, I just want a little plug there. I like it a lot. Uh, Vicki, you were mm-hmm. easy to get a gift for because you lived in so many countries. And so you have a desk set that has six countries because there's Great Britain. There's America, of course, oh, United States, Great Britain, yeah, Japan, Japan, France, France, Germany. We didn't even talk about you living in France. Oh, well, I was probably about to. And it's France. France. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my mother with her British accent, it's so funny because she'll say, France. Like, mom, it's France. She goes, no, 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 it's France. Yes, right. It's Notre Dame. Notre Dame, France. In France. Notre Dame is playing. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I, this is, I'll put this on my desk. Thank you. I'm so glad yeah. you were here. Well, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah. Merry Christmas. And uh, next week, our guest, it's going to be the best of 2019 (laughs) next week. Tom and Ashley have been working really hard on it, and it's going to be a really great show. And then we're going to do 
The, uh, and then the first week in January, we're going to be out of pocket again. So it's going to continue to be the best of 2019. Mm-hmm. So the next two weeks will be the best of short ex- excerpts, which are perfect for my short attention span. Vicki, I love okay, you. Okay, I love you too. All right. Gary. I want to tell everybody who's listening, thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening. And if you didn't, you haven't been listening. (laughs) And that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, Go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guest. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Subscribe to podcasts wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.